It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. One just has to pick up a magazine or turn on a television to see that we as women are bombarded daily with media images of female physical perfection, leaving us with the most unrealistic of expectations as to how we should look. No wonder female body confidence is falling while incidents of eating disorders are on the rise. What's most alarming is the way this affects young girls. A reduced sense of self-worth can create anxiety, stress, even depression, causing relationship issues while potentially impairing academic and job performance. In direct contrast, Confidence in Bloom is designed to send the opposite message to any woman of any age, shape, or background who has ever felt inadequate, unworthy, or tossed aside because of how she looks. You matter. You are enough now. I, Tina Spolatini, a woman of substance, insist women deserve to be happy, confident, successful, not to mention so totally in love with themselves in their own bodies just the way they are. Through an ongoing series of intriguing conversations with women from all walks of life who are all extraordinary in their own right, I will take us on a journey of ultimate self-acceptance and empowerment. Together we'll share the stories, laugh, learn, maybe even shed a few tears when you realize how far many women have come to realize just how wonderful life is when you stand in your own power, feeling fantastic in your own skin. Today I'm speaking with Linda Lingo. Linda is an authority on women building wealth. Her successful 35-year career in corporate America and her 10 years as a financial advisor have given her practical experience, radical knowledge, and a deep understanding of the best ways to manage money for the modern-day woman. Women work with Linda to discover how to become a master at their finances, build their wealth, and make an even bigger impact in the world. Linda's mission is to empower women with smart strategies for a successful, stress-free approach to money. Through inspiration and education, Linda guides women into clarity and confidence in their finances so they can live the life they desire. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Tina. Now, did you notice I have the word confidence? In my mission statement, I, I did. I, I guide women. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love why you're such a great fit here on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for yeah, having so me. So, Linda, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh my. Well, I have lots of experience, which means I have lots of years on me. If you could see me, you'd know by my gray hair, which I own. Um, and I'm very confident in wearing. Um, so I started out as a CPA way back when, and I became um, a corporate controller for a Fortune 500 company and then went on to be a financial advisor. So I worked with uh, women and couples and um, helped them invest their money. But what I found out was women want more education, especially when it comes to money, because they lack confidence and how to manage it. And so that's when I pivoted to a financial life coach. So I don't do investing anymore. What I do do 
is educate women and help them gain confidence, help them develop really a great relationship with money so that they know how to manage it and use it for their best uh, interest, for their family, for their community. And I feel ultimately women are who are going to change this world for the better. Yes. I would like to think that too. Uh, not to put men down, I think men. No, no. You know, men. Men got us to where we are, so I I would not want to put you know any man down, and, and to allow women to be you know empowered. Mm-hmm. So you obviously um, finished high school with the intention of being a CPA. Well, actually, uh, my first. Uh, goal was to be an attorney. I really wanted to be, I wanted to make a difference in the world. I am, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram types, but I'm a type one, a perfectionist, and achiever is my close second. So I um, wanted to set the world on fire by making um, social change. And the way I was going to do that was being an attorney. Unfortunately, in college, I back in the 70s, you not only graduated with your um, B. A, but you also graduated with a Mrs. degree. And so I got married, and I married a man who wanted to go to law school too. And so, you know, being a woman of the 70s, I said, oh, sure, you can do that, honey, and I'll do something else. And that's when I pursued um, being a CPA. I had my business degree already. So it was actually my second choice, but it was the best thing I ever did because uh, it opened so many doors for me and really led me on a path to um, getting my MBA in finance so then I could go either as a CPA or the financial road. And I found that uh, finance actually was, was more in, a, in alignment with me and my my values and my personality. I love that. And that, yeah. And, I, I mean, you know, accountants and lawyers have the um, – reputation of being boring, but I know through talking with you, you don't sound boring at all. You always have so much energy in your voice, and I don't know, you seem to carry a lot of, like, high-energy vibes. Thank you. You um, know, and that yeah. has come through working on my own personal confidence. I'm a, a lifelong learner, and um, I am a firm believer that um, – you know, our confidence comes from within. That's my belief. And so um, working on my um, my self-worth, um, I, which actually starts, I believe, with loving yourself. And um, it's not always easy to do, and we're not always brought up to do that. Actually, I was brought up, you know, that that was vain, that uh, that was very self-centered, and you just didn't do that. Um, through the years, I've learned that isn't, in fact, the case, at least for me. Um, and I've learned to love myself as I am. And I think that, you know, physically, emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually, it's, you know, and I think that, for me, that was the starting point, learning to love myself, um, believe in myself, trust in myself, trust in my intuition, because I think the more we listen to our inner guidance, which I think is spirit-led, um, that we, we develop even more confidence. And uh, I am a high-energy person. I'm a high-energy person because I love myself and I believe in myself and I feel very guided. I love that. 
And how are you going to change the world if you can't be happy with who you are? Right? You exactly. have to change yourself first. Right? Absolutely. I yes. love that. You, you you explained that self-love so like, it was so like authentic, right? Like, and and it starts with us, right? If I don't love me, number one, I can't let anybody love me for who I am. And I won't be able to love them back because I don't really know what love is. Right. Right. So true. And so when you are working with, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So when you're working with women, do you find that that's kind of where you have to start? Is like how, what is your relationship with yourself? Oh, absolutely. It's with yourself. And then it's, uh, Working with um, their money mindset, and so this is formed when we're very young. I mean, as as young as four, five, six years old. And you know, nothing against our parents. I I believe our parents do the best that they they can, that they know how at the time that they're raising you know children. But our money mindset is actually formed very young, and it is that original relationship to money that actually gets. Um, transferred when we're adults to how we manage our money. So I actually take my clients back to uh, visualization exercises and journaling on, you know, what 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 was money like in the family? You know, did they have a lot? Was it scarce? You know, did their dad get a paycheck? And then their mom went out and 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 bought groceries and everything she could because she knew she wouldn't get another paycheck for another probably two weeks. You know, so was it, you know, um, a splurge and then nothing? Um, so, you know, it just depends on how you're brought up. My, I personally, uh, we did not, we were not wealthy. I was the oldest of five, brought up on a farm in the Midwest. And um, we were taught that work is hard. So that had a whole set of implications for me that you, um, you know, you have to earn your money before you spend it, which was a blessing. And um, that you don't you don't make more you don't need more than than you don't earn more than what you need, which actually capped my earnings for for many years until I realized that money story wasn't serving me. So those are my personal money stories. But then I didn't even realize it. You know, they just they're subconscious. They're embedded in your subconscious, and you're not even aware of them until you start probing and actually looking at, oh, what is causing this? And and I walk you back through, um, you know, your some of your childhood memories. And um, it's only when you recognize what is is causing the way you have the relationship with money, only then can you start building a new and better relationship with money. And that's actually in the brain. That's actually creating new neural pathways, new trails, if you would, in your brain. So, yes, so that's where I start is um, with the individual. And it's a very subconscious um, money mindset. And then, and then we work from there. We go on to values, which I'm a huge believer in our values impact our purpose, our priorities, and our pursuits. I love that. And so you kind of, you must have like um, 
like a program that, you know, like you start at one and it's one step after another then. Right. I call it the VIIP process for building wealth. It's what I've developed. So we start with values and money mindset. Then we move to an intentional money spending and saving plan. I personally, the word budget, sorry, but I just, it makes my skin crawl. It's, it's deprivation at its finest. So I go from the other side and I say, you know, let's develop something that's intentional, that's with, in alignment with your values, and it brings you joy. And I um, help my client set up not only a spending plan but a saving plan because I do think you can save your way out of debt if that's where you're at. So we work on that, and then we work on investment. So that's the second I. Um, educating them. I don't do the investing, but I educate them so that they can either do their own investing or work with a financial advisor and not and have the confidence to ask questions that um, – that help them make decisions that are in alignment with their values. And then the P is for um, protecting what you've, you've earned and planning for the future. So um, that's, that's my full process that I take my clients through. I love that. And so how are your, like, are your clients um, mainly then like young, young parents or are they closer to retirement? Great question. Thanks, Tina. So my ideal clients are women. I only coach women. That's where I'm at. And they're typically in their 50s and 60s. They've usually gone through a life event. And I know that encompasses a lot, but it could be anything from going through a divorce. Um, maybe they're empty nesters for the first time. Their kids are off to college. Um, maybe they're doing a career change. That's very common at 50 to make a career change. Or they're widows, or um, they might be caregivers. You know, we're the sandwich generation. We're taking care of kids or grandkids and our parents. They've gone through a life transition, and that is usually what triggers them to realize they've got to get right with their money. They've either got to have a better relationship, or they've got to kick savings into retirement uh, for retirement into high gear, or. Um, you know, if they're in their early 60s, they're thinking about retirement. I'm actually doing a master class um, starting in October, October 12th, and it's all about helping women transition, transition from a career, whether that's a solopreneur, entrepreneur, or, you know, corporate woman, whatever career you've had, how to transition. What does it look like to transition from that into retirement? Because the number one fear women have about money is they want safety and they are afraid they're going to outlive their money in retirement. So I work through those issues. So anyway, we're going to do a master class. There will be 20 of us. And um, we're going to work through the social and emotional aspects of what does it look like to retire? Do you stop cold turkey? Do you transition? You know, what are your options? We're going to talk about the financial aspects. We're going to talk about everything like, you know, where do you want to retire? What does that look like? What kind of, you know, income do you need to support that? We'll talk about Social Security. We've got to address that. Medicare. You know, all of the topics that impact our retirement so that women aren't afraid to dream. You know, that's another area. Oh, I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry, Tina. <laughs> But it's good. I want you to continue because women, I mean, like you said, women are dreamers, right? 
Well, we should be, but unfortunately, once again, I think our society shuts it down when it comes to dreaming. And I am, I've learned that it's okay to dream and it's okay to have desires. You know, we we have that in, intuition and knowing what our desires are um, really helps us uh, define what our purpose is and, you know, what our pursuits are going to be. And, I mean, for some of us, it's being a full-time mom. I was a full-time mom for seven years, loved it, absolutely loved it. I had my kids uh, later in life. Um, I've been a career woman, loved it. I've, But I think our purpose is higher that. I, I think more than what we do, it's who we are. And it's taken me a while to, to get to that point. And so do you think that, I, I like how you um, said that, do you think that that comes after all that experience? Like I was a stay-at-home mom myself, and I loved mm-hmm. every minute of it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And even though I, you know, there were days where, you know, it wasn't my favorite thing to be doing. You know, I wanted to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. probably at work or something, but I still loved it, right? And to this day, my youngest is 16, and he's pretty independent. But to this day, I don't regret one day of it. You know, when I see when my kids come home now, they're very open with me, very comfortable with me. And I know that that's partly because I was home with them all the time. They knew they could always rely on me. Mm-hmm. So true, so and true. I, and that's, that's yeah, not, yeah. you know, putting moms under the bus who who work at all because I was also oh, a working mom. I, I've been on um, both both sides of that, that street, but... Um, yeah, it, it was. It was great, great. And you're right. I have I have very close relationship with my daughter. I think because of that. Right. And I mean, I know I know lots of women who who chose to go to work, and their kids are still just as open and comfortable with them as they are with me, right? But I know my personality. When when I give, I give it all to one. I can't multitask, I guess, is how you would say it, right? I'm Mm -hmm. either working or I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. And so I find that if I would have went to work when my kids were younger, I wouldn't have been able to give them the attention that I did. And I know that, right? right? But I think also, too, um, you know, as I got older, I I saw myself that way. I was older, too, when I had my kids, right? I was already in my 30s. And so, you know, when I looked back at when I was in my 20s, I'm like, would I have been the same parent as I was in mm-hmm. my 30s? Because I had already done, you know, that career type life, right? And I knew that this, this was now my passion. I wanted to put all my energy into my kids, right? And so I'm, I'm just wondering if that's how we learn, right? When we decide who we really are, is it after we've done all that stuff or is it during or is it before like like have you like I'm sure when you talk with your clients you must see sort of a trend or a you know a pattern I would say it really depends on the woman because it depends on how self-aware she is how in tune she is with who she is um, and I do think the more life experience we have, well, I've seen this in my clients and for me personally, I would say the more life experience we have, we realize it's not what we're getting, but what we're giving. 
and that really serves a higher purpose. And I think the um, I was going to say the older we are, we can we can serve more. But I'm not. I'm going to retract that. I think we can serve at any age, any level, small or big. It doesn't have to be something huge. But um, I do think our life experiences obviously impact that. Um, for instance, I went through a divorce at the age after being married for 40 years, and oh, wow. uh, it was traumatic. And was that an experience I anticipated having? No. But having gone through it and grown tremendously as a result of it, I am now able to empathize and work with women who have gone through a divorce and really understand, you know, where emotionally and financially the impacts the divorce can have, and I'm better able to serve them. Could I have done that before I went through the divorce? Not nearly as well. I, I could have tried, but, I, you know, you haven't walked in their shoes, so to speak. I was in an abusive right. marriage. You know, as a result of that, I can empathize with women who are going through abuse. There's a lot of different kinds of abuse. I don't want to get into that right now. But, you know, same thing. It's like, it's I, you know, you have more life experiences. And the more life experiences you have, the more empathetic you can be, the more um, open. You know, I think you have to heal your own wounds before you can really work with others that are going through what you've been through. And and so that's one reason why, I mean, I'm semi-retired. I love what I do. I, I work with selective few clients. I love doing the master classes because I can work with more than one at, one at a time. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, it's an opportunity for me to share what what does it look like transitioning into retirement because that is a area so many of us will experience. Number one, number two, fifty percent of women sixty five and older are 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 single, whether it's because of divorce, widowed, or or never married, and so which is where I'm at right now. So it's you know it's definitely another place in life that a lot of women are at that that I can help them, that I can serve them. And so my outlook on life has definitely changed over the years. I, You know, from one of, um, you know, what am I getting out of life to what can I give? What can I give back? How can I give back? How can I serve? And that's that's really where I'm at right now. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's purpose-driven. And once again, it's intuition and it's a higher power and it's being open and, like, what started all this was dreams and desires. And, and I think, you know, when our desires are in alignment with with our serving and and um, helping, and um, it, it just puts us in that positive energy. I think that's why I'm so guided. I think that's why I am in such a positive space. Um, and, and along those lines, I wanted to share a book which um, really helped me. It's a Louise Hay book. I love Louise Hayes. I don't, you know, you may or may not, but the name of this particular book, she's written many, is Mirror Work, M-I-R-R-O-R-W-O-R-K, 21 Days to Heal Your Life. And this is where she talks about loving yourself. And she takes you through a different exercise every day to release your inner critic and to love yourself. Um, so if any of your listeners out there want just a real practical, um, you know, 
not on, it, it has nothing to do with finance or money, <laughs> but everything to do with loving yourself. If you want practical guidance on money, then you can go over and see my many blogs on lindalingo.com. I love that. You know, it's funny that, you know, what like our conversation when it started, it starts with loving yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because that affects every relationship that you have, whether it's with food, relation like other people or, you know, um, obviously your money, right? It all comes down to how you love yourself. And mm -hmm. it, it's really difficult for women today. I mean, I think... I, I find that the, you know, the women in their 30s and younger, they understand the concept a lot better than I would have at that age, right? I mean, at that age, I was like, you know, I'm like in the middle of, you know, parenting and I had twins. So I was like, there is yep. no time for loving myself right now, right? <laughs> yeah. But when I look yeah. back, when I look back, I did make the time for myself somehow, some way, Right without, you know, destroying my kids. I mean, you know, they had their quiet time and I took mine. And, you know, yeah. it, and I think that's kind of, when I look back at that, I go, so I, I was doing that to some degree. Maybe not, you know, where I was journaling or whatever, but, you know, I was doing that. To, and I was teaching them the same thing. You know, when you get over, you know, you know, we all get that, like, overstimulation, right? Then that's mm -hmm. your time to sit back and go, what am I doing, right? And that's how I taught my kids, right? But I didn't look at it as, oh, I'm giving myself some love right now, right? Mm -hmm. I looked at it as I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? I, when, right. When I look Absolutely. back, I think, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And so when I look back at that, I think, like, we learn as we get older what we need, Right? Mm -hmm. we, and my grandma used to say this all the time. As we, you know, the older we get, the wiser we get. Mm -hmm. And as a yeah. teenager, I used to think, oh, come on, right? Because teenagers know everything, right? There's no <laughs> yeah. way I, you know, there's, I used to think, like, what what more can I learn, right? I, I'm living in the life right now, but, you know, mm -hmm. now in my 50s, I can go, holy cow, I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, my grandma was, like, right on par. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, I, and I noticed that, like, yeah, like when I talk to my kids and they're in their early 20s, I think, okay, so you guys think you know what's going on, but do you do you see this? Do you see that? Right? And, I mean, that's a conversation we have with money, with relationships of any kind, you know, Absolutely. and sometimes they look at me like, Mom, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> my point. You don't understand, Right. But I love how you. it always comes back to that self-love. We yeah. need to get yep. women on that page. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and, uh, mm -hmm. go, ahead. Yeah. go ahead. No, you go ahead. This is about you. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think it's very it's fascinating, and there have been studies um, that show that the way we treat food is the way we treat our money. So if you are in a space of um, deprivation, scarcity, um, you're probably abusing food and you're probably not managing your money well. It's only when we can get to that place of self-acceptance, self-love, and a, a place of gratitude 
gratitude creates abundance and happiness when we can appreciate what we have, even if it's very little, appreciate what we have, then we can start to have a better relationship with both food and money. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to agree. Now, not just saying I am so thankful that I have this. I mean, that's where it starts. But there's more to it than that. Do you believe that? Oh, right. But that's the starting point. Point. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so it's like, okay, I don't have a lot, but what I do have, I am so grateful for it. And it's not like, I mean, I think a lot of times it starts with just saying that to yourself, but I think Mm -hmm. you need to really feel like appreciative of having the little bit that you have, right? If you've got $20 to last you to the end of the week, be thankful that you have that $20. Right. Be thankful and be aware and be intentional. Right. Yes. (laughs) Excuse me. Yes, exactly. Because now you have this $20, what, like what, what are you, like not just what are you going to do with it, but how is that going to bring you forward? How is it going to bring you joy? I'm a big proponent of joy. Mm -hmm. You know, actually joy is the highest, one of the highest vibrational levels you can have. And when you bring yourself into a place of joy, whether it's joy that you have $5 that you want to go buy a Starbucks coffee or whether it's, um, you know, that you want to do something else with that money, but it's being intentional and knowing what will bring you joy. Or maybe it's, you know, what what would bring me joy is saving $10 of this towards next week. So then I could put it with my other $10 and be able to do treat myself to a movie or um, to a manicure or, you know, or something that's even um, further down the road than that. But it's it's being intentional and taking it to that next level of what will bring you joy. And that's when you relate your values to your goals. Because only when your financial goals I think it's true of all goals, but I know for a fact, when your money goals are in alignment with your values, only then, only then, will you be in a good relationship with money and will you follow through and achieve your financial goals. Right, and I do believe that. And I think it's, I mean, that goes to say for all your goals, right? You need Mm -hmm. to be in alignment in order for them to... um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? For In order for you to achieve your goals to the extent right. that you want to achieve them, you need to be in alignment with the goals and your values. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, do, and, I, I do believe that. So if you were to have a client or a client was to come to you and, and you know, said to you, Linda, I really want you to help me with my relationship with my money, um, you know, I plan to retire early, and that's going to be in 10 years. What's the first piece of advice you would give? Define dream. I'd say dream. I don't define. Dream, what, what, do you, what does your dream retirement look like? And I would actually take her through an exercise of, um, of what does that look like? Who are you going to spend it with? Where, where, is it, where are you going to 
be retired? Where do you want to retire? Who with? What do you want to do in retirement? Because only after she has thought about taking the time to dream about what her retirement looks like, only then can she put together an intentional money spending plan. And then we can um, put together a financial plan that will help her achieve that dream retirement. And the other really basic principle is, you know, don't you know save more than you spend you know don't don't spend more than your income and when you're really serious about saving for retirement then we take a look at you know where are you spending your money now you know what what things and i'm not talking deprivation but once again what's in alignment with your values what's not and then what are you willing to um you know it's it's, it's foregoing immediate gratification for retirement gratification um so, but the first step is dreaming. You know, what what do you want your retirement to look like? What is, uh, you know, what are the um, emotional and and social impacts of this? And then let's put a plan together. Yeah. So I find now I have this thought that's coming to my head, and I am going to tell you what it is. But I yeah. find that the uh, generations today, like the younger generations, like the the you know the kids, I'll call them in their thirties and and younger. They're not kids. I mean. You know, they're full-on adults. Oh, they are. <laughs> you know, they're, most of them are parenting themselves at that age. Yeah. But when I say younger, because to me they're still kids, right? But when I look at them, I find that they're, like, very, um, you know, because they're so used to having satisfaction, like, at the tip of their fingers at every any given moment, I, I wonder, like, how their relationship with money compared to, say, our relationship with money is different. Yeah, I think. Like, have you had well, there's any definitely experience a difference. with that? There's a difference for sure. And would you? Um, yeah. And would you say they're more like, um, um, like you know, with the gratitude and the abundance? Like, are, would you say they're generally more open to that, whereas we have to learn that, or the other way around? I think they are more mindful of it. Um, I also find with the younger generation, they are not – now, this is a big generalization, so, of course, this, this isn't everybody. Of course. But right. they're not as tied to a profession like we were brought up to, you know, you right. go to college, you have a career, um, you have a – I think things – Things have changed, especially after COVID, but things have changed for that younger 20s and 30s. It's like they're questioning, do I really need a college degree to do this? And you know what? I, I'm going to try this. If I don't like it, I'll try something else. They're much more fluid, I would say. And because of yeah. that, money, they they want enough money to have a comfortable life, but it's not always in excess, like I think some of us, well, not me. Anyway, some people may have had. So I do think there's a difference. I think they're more fluid. I don't think they're as rigid as far as a, a career. And I don't think they're as tied to, a, you know, um, you know, six- and seven-figure income. Now, I do think the baby boomers, which are still, and, in, in, in you know, in 50s and 60s, I think that, that generation, those generations are still very much, 
you know, oh, we worked hard, we're saving for retirement, and, you know, we're going to self-fund ourselves. We don't want to be a burden to our kids. I hear that all the time. I don't want to end up sleeping on my kid's sofa. And so they definitely right. are planning for their retirement. I would say the, the, the late 30s and 40s are, you know, it, it really depends on their attitude and where they're at because in that generation we have some who are very much tied to what I call the FIRE movement, financially independent, retire early. And they will do everything. I mean, you talk about workaholics. They are going to they are going to do two and three jobs. They are going to save absolutely every penny. They are going to live um, a very modest lifestyle. And but it's all for retiring early, so then they can do what they want to do. So then they can go hike and travel the world. Um, and I would say, and then there are those who are like, you know. No, I, I want to do some of that now. I'm not going to wait until I retire. And I was definitely in that camp. I am. I love to travel. I've always enjoyed traveling. I I didn't realize how much traveling I did until I started talking to people and I started looking at how many countries I've been to. I lost track, but it's a bunch. But I love traveling, and I I've always done traveling, whether it's stateside or international. So I was, you know, I want to have fun. I want to have some fun, but I'm also going to save for retirement. So mine was a, yeah, I think a pretty good balance, and I do see that a lot in the in people in their fifties and sixties now. Yeah, yeah, I I think our age group because now it's more of a reality, right? Yeah. Like I remember yeah. when I was nineteen, my bank manager said to me, you know, you need to start an RSP, and I was like, for what? <laughs> and he's like, for your retirement, <laughs> and I'm like, dude. This- this is my first real job. Like, I am not thinking of, you know, retiring. And he's like, but one day you will, right? And mm-hmm. you'll be thankful that we had this conversation, right? And okay. I remember yes. thinking, he is crazy. <laughs> right. But I know. And so thankful. my daughter, good for him. My daughter's 24. Uh, since she's been employed, I have um, had her saving $50 a month into her Roth IRA. And it was a struggle. It was like, okay, this is why. But what really brought it home for her was I said, listen, if you invest $50 a month, now there's no guarantees, but this is statistically speaking, and you did, and we're just going to invest it in a good um, S&P 500 um, mutual fund ETF, and you can t- consistently contribute to that. By the time you're 65, you'll have on you'll have about $250,000. And that's just contributing $50 a month. When you get into your 30s and 40s, 50s, you're making, you'll be making obviously more money than you are now, um, and you'll be contributing more. So that's how you save for retirement. But it doesn't have to be a huge amount. It's just getting them to start early and making it a habit. And that's true with anybody. Getting them to, to save, whether it's for retirement, whether it's for your first house, down payment, whether it's for your first car. You know, it's the habit of saving. It's don't spend everything you make. Save before you spend on your discretionary expenses. And that's another great way to get exactly. have a great relationship with money. It's, I'm honoring this. I, I'm paying for my basic needs right now, my housing, my food, and then I am saving. And then, then comes, oh, I want to eat out with my friends or I want to go to movies or whatever it is. You know, but it's, it's making it all a really good habit because one of the things we fall into, and we're humans, is the more money we make, the more we spend. 
we buy those toys. I always say, you know, our 30s are... 30s and 40s are kind of accumulation. You know, we get the house, we get the car, some people get a boat, some people get, you know, whatever, what other toys, you know, they like. And when we see all of our neighbors with all these, you know, wonderful things or we get a bigger house. I got to tell you, when you turn 50, I don't think you're there yet. I am. I have been. It was like the most depressing day ever and the biggest day ever. And it was like, what the heck am I doing with all this stuff? It's stuff. You can't take it with you. And why am I trying to impress people I don't know and probably don't even like? You know, how ridiculous is this? And I had a total mind shift. And I started downsizing from that day forward. Um, and and, and, I, think, and I, I find that's very typical, especially once you turn 60. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have way too much stuff. I'm thinking about retiring. I don't need this huge house. The kids are gone. You know, and then you're looking around and it's like, why money on stuff that nobody wants, you know? And so, I, you know, those are the things. My my daughter, I, I actually had her help me downsize, and she goes, oh, Mom. And I'm like, D- take away from, don't you do this. You know, learn from my, <laughs> learn from me. Don't do this. You don't want any of this stuff. If you end up accumulating stuff like this, trust me, your kids aren't going to want it. <laughs> so, anyway. Right? That's, Isn't that that's, the truth? Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah, I I am 50. I and when I turned 50, I kind of went through the same thing. And so I started now slowly I'm filling up, you know, boxes to donate or sell mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. because I know, I mean, I haven't used it in the last 10 years. I won't be using it now. Yeah. Right. I mean, we do <laughs> right? less and less entertaining. Right, and, and you know, like, you, and I don't even leave when I go on holidays or I go, you know, when I see something that I absolutely love. If I don't have a place for it in my house right now, it's not coming with me, right? As <laughs> much it, as yeah. I love it, right? As much as I love it, I know that I will not have a place for it, right? So I, and you know, unless I can get rid of something, that's kind of the mm-hmm. rule, right? If yeah. I can get rid of two, then I can take one more thing home. But yeah, good for you. you know, yep. Yeah. Great yeah. philosophy. Yeah. This is oh, this has been wonderful, and I feel like we could sit and chat for another two or three hours. <laughs> we probably could, and I know we're out of time. So thank you for having me on your show. LindaLingo.com is where people can find me. And um, the master class, if I might, is uh, www.LindaLingo.com backslash retirement-masterclass. Backslash. I know that's a lot. I'll email you so you can put it in the show notes. But um, starting October 12th, love to have ladies in there who are thinking about retirement in the next one to ten years. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And so what age group are you aiming that towards, like people that are close to the retirement age, like within two or three years or ten years? Anybody, I would say within ten years. So that's typically, yeah. you know, okay. I don't want to put an age on it, but, you know, it's usually, you know, 50, 55 and, and older. Yeah, or, yeah, like you're re- planning to retire within the next 10 years. I love that. Yep. Thank you so much for joining me today, Linda. Thank you, Tina. This has been a delight. I love chatting with you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is, they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. 
It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape, so if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at infobloomstyling or by email at tina at infobloomstyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.